Romans chapter 12, verse 2. If you have it, say, mm hmm. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it is weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of the sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Before you're seated, give about four people a high five. Tell them you're free. Then you may be seated. Praise the Lord. I'm so excited because in just a little bit, we're going to be having a picnic and a barbecue right across the street. So if you don't have any plans, uh, we want to encourage you to come on out. And if you do have plans, I, I can almost guarantee you those plans are boring. They're boring. Just come on out with us. We're going to have a great time. We're going to be have, uh, playing some uh, volleyball. Uh, we, I think we have some badminton and some basketball. We have a, a, this thing called mosh ball. We're going to be playing that. And uh, we have different things. And also a barbecue. We got lots of food. Somebody say food. So I'm telling you, we got food, fellowship, and freedom. It's going to be right after this service. So we want you to come and fellowship with us. Please, listen. The Bible says, deny not the fellowship of the brethren. Fellowships are just as important as coming to an assembly of church. They're just as important. Amen? This morning, talk about the freedom. Abraham Lincoln said, those who deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves. Somebody once said, it is easy to take the liberty for granted when you have never had it taken from you. Moshe Dayan said, freedom is the oxygen of the soul. George Washington, our first president, said, liberty, when it begins to take root, is a plant of rapid growth. Albert Camus said, freedom is nothing else but a chance to be better. And somebody else once wrote, everything happens for a reason, but sometimes the reason is that you're stupid and make bad decisions. Isn't that the truth? There's a story in June of 2012 of the, a longtime girlfriend of the Boston mobster, James Whitey Bulger, was sentenced to eight years in prison for helping him stay on the run for 16 years. I don't know if you guys remember this story. But Catherine Grigg showed no emotion when the U.S. District Judge Doug, Douglas Woodlock handed down a sentence. He also fined her $150,000. The 61-year-old Grigg pleaded guilty in March of 2012 to charges of conspiracy to harbor a fugitive, identity fraud, and conspiracy to commit identity fraud. The 82-year-old Bolger is serving, is serving life in prison that he participated in 19 murders. Authorities captured the couple in Santa Monica, Santa Monica California. Now, I guess that Greek thought her mobster friend or her lover would always take care of her. But I would say that this is a perfect example of being stupid and sinful. Think about the life that she lived. 
the life that both of them lived, I'm sure that both of them, as they walked out of their house, were constantly looking over their shoulders, wondering when the cops and the authorities was going to nab them, when they was going to take them into prison. That wouldn't have actually been much of a very fun life, don't you think? Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather live a life of peace and comfort and safety and having no fear of the law. I think it'd be much better to live a decent and honest, law-abiding life and be able to rest at peace at night, knowing that you are on this side of the law rather than against it. The same thing goes for our relationship to God. Have you ever been on the wrong side of the fence when it comes to God? I'm sure that many of us have, but hopefully when you're on the wrong side that you identify yourself and say, no, 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 I need to get back where there is freedom in Christ. I need to get back on the place where I kind of need to wake up from the slumber and be where I'm supposed to be. Some of us here this morning, and I've seen it all around Christianity, we need to wake up this morning and get on the other side of the fence. Romans chapter 13, look with me here. Romans chapter 13 verse 11 says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up. Somebody say, wake up. Somebody say, wake up. It says, wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Look at this in verse 13. It says, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. See, Paul was writing to some Christians who needed to wake up. Some Christians that needed to wake up from their slumber. Need to stop living for today's pleasure and stop trying to gratify the flesh of today, but to get right with Christ. In Psalms chapter 30, verse 5, it says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know why that scripture says joy comes in the morning? Because joy comes when you wake up. That's what it's referring to. See, right now there are many men and many women that last night tried to find joy in a club. They tried to find joy in drunkenness. They tried to find joy in pleasing themselves. But here this morning, I want you to know something. Joy does not come when you put a 40 ounce and you put it down your throat. Joy does not come when you inhale or sniff something and put it inside of you to make it give you a high. Joy does not come when you put some green leaves on a piece of paper and try to lick it and then smoke it and say, man, this is what's going to take all my cares away. No, my friend, joy comes when you wake up. See, my friend, that's where the freedom comes from. It comes from when you wake up. Tell your neighbor, you got to wake up. See, when the darkness leaves and the light shines through, there becomes a waking up period. Now, in 1776, the United States declared independence from British oppression, free from tyranny, monarchy, aristocracy, and proclaimed that all men were created equal. Now, what's very important is that even though they declared independence from, it did not stop wars. It established a governing body, which the way to give natural rights and even gave birth to an ethic that has formed a core political values even within the United States. Now this morning, 
I want to share a couple of things that we today have freedom from. Now, what's very important is that even though we have freedom from, it does not stop the wars from coming. I want to make that very clear. We have freedom, but it won't stop the wars. I like what even Brother Dewan up here earlier says. You know, he goes, I'm not fully cured. He's healed, but little by little, that process is still taking place within our lives. See, you and I must understand that we are free from the authority and the strongholds that might, may try to oppress, discourage, and even may try to destroy you, but you are free. Somebody say, you are free. Tell the person next to you, you're free. Now, how did we get this freedom? We got this freedom by we were able to look at it every Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. There's freedom from the death of our Savior. Now, what's very important, before I give you what we're free from, because this happens a lot of times, and I see it a lot of times happen, especially within Christianity. We think that Jesus died for certain things, and so we think, okay, as long as I have these things, I am free. I want to I kind of get rid of a few things that you, Christ did not die for before I give you what you're free from. Can I give that to you real quick? Really quick, I want you to know something. He didn't die for our American dream. I want to make that very clear. He did not die for our American dream because a lot of times as Americans, we think Christianity is American. That's not the case at all. I've traveled the world, and I've traveled all over the place, and I've seen some of the most grateful people that have nothing. They don't have a thing. So does that mean, wait, I have to have things to be a Christian? No, not at all. My friend, you and I must understand that Christ didn't die just to make us wealthy and comfortable. Now listen, God may give you a temporal comfort, but with the temporal comfort also comes the temporal suffering. Also comes the spiritual chastening. See, we cannot mix up physical blessings as a sure sign of God's favor. My friend, Christ died to take away our sins for exchange for his righteousness. The joy and peace with coming and knowing that we have a loving God who has saved us in eternity. You and I must understand, listen, my friend, if we were to say that Christ only died for our American dream, then, my friend, we do an injustice to those around the world who are suffering a persecution right now. So I want to make something very clear before I even go and tell you what we have an independence from. I want you to know something. Christ didn't die for yours and I, American dream, to make sure that we have four cars in our driveway and, and big houses and we have everything that we uh, have ever wanted. No, my friend, everything you should ever want is inside of you. He's living in you. He's all around you. So the second thing I want to make sure that we understand that he didn't die for is that he didn't die to be the poster boy for our cause. Now I say this because understanding that as I look at the social media, you can call yourself whatever you want. I'm a conservative, but I'm a Christian. I'm a Republican. I'm a Christian. I'm a Democrat, but I'm a Christian. I want you to know something, my friend. Christ is not a progressive Democrat. He is not a conservative Republican. You know what he is? He's God. Jesus is God. And you and I must understand that here this morning, he didn't die for us to be able to put a stamp of certain things on our own issues. 
The death, his death was freedom from sin, not to build our own little kingdoms. Now, don't get me wrong. I support certain causes, but I want you to know something. Those causes cannot save the sinful heart. Those little parties cannot save my well-being. They cannot save me. They cannot save you. See, you and I, my friend, must understand that we must let God be true and every man be a liar. I'm going to say that one more time. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. So you and I must understand that when we try our best to say, and we do this a lot, maybe you don't, but I see it all over the place. We say, no, God is, he, he is for this. He's for the Republican Party. No, he's for the Democratic Party. No, he's for the Tea Party. Man, we have all these parties, and God's looking down and saying, man, you know the only time I party is when souls get saved. But we try to label all these parties as this is God. No, my friend, he is God. He can do what he wants. Whenever he wants. So I want to make that very clear. He didn't die for our causes. And then also, he didn't die to merely raise our moral standard. He didn't die to raise our moral standard. You know the problem with grace is that it's not consumer friendly. That's the problem with grace. It doesn't, it's not a hot commodity with everybody. See, because grace reveals our utter dependence on God. Because of this, grace looks unattractive to the people who want to believe entirely on being independent. Can you think of anything more or less un-American than that? I mean, America is all about independence. But yet as Christianity, we say, no, Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. And so what happens many times is we put and we put these, these standards, this moral standard on what we think is good and what we think should be done. Yet, my friend, grace is all we need. Somehow we have fooled ourselves into thinking that our spiritual resume will make us acceptable to God. Man, look, look at how holy I am. Look at how, how great of things I can do. Look what I can have. And so what we do is we set a certain standard that people must live by according to our standard. And so what happens is we make a standard, and if people don't live up to this standard, oh, you're not holy. I'm holy. I pray five minutes longer than you. I'm holier. Now, it may not happen in Church of the Cross, but I know it happens in Victory Outreach. That all of a sudden we do certain things a certain way. And so because we do it a certain way, we create a certain standard. And this certain standard is the moral high ground for everybody. When God says, no, all you have to do is just accept my grace. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all that you need. My friend, I don't know if you know this, but your pride and your self-righteousness is just as offensive to God as the pimp and the murderer. Did you know that? It's just as offensive to God. So please, my friend, don't look at somebody and say, man, they're all messed up. My friend, look in that mirror first. Look in that mirror first. There was a song that I grew up on many, many years ago. It says, you better check yourself before you <laughs> riggedy wreck yourself. I believe that scripture was probably taken from the speck and the plank. That's what I think. You gotta check that. Make sure. 
Make sure before you walk into these doors that you understand that you are a wretched sinner, that without Christ, you're nothing. Because if you walk into this place with a holy standard that is your standard, my friend, everybody around you has fallen short. But it isn't until you understand that all have fallen short. Every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But we can obtain it through his grace. Can I hear an amen? Now, what did he die for? And with this, I'm closing. I'm not going to be very long. What did he die for? First Peter chapter 3. There's a lot of things that he died for, but I only came up with just three of them. I actually had a list of about 20, but I said, I'm going to narrow it down to just three. I'm pretty sure you're going to be okay with just three. Amen. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 says, but do this with gentleness and respect. I, I, I threw that in there. It was actually just verse 16, but I like verse 15. Because it says, that, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You know what he died for? He died for your guilt and your shame. Your guilt and your shame. He is the defender of our faith. I like the caption of even the portion of scripture here, First Peter chapter 3. It talks about how you and I are going to suffer for doing good, but you don't have to feel guilty about that. You don't have to feel bad for pursuing his righteousness. Don't feel guilty for pursuing the things of God. And I say that because that's what the world is trying to do to us right now. The world is trying to make us guilty for pursuing his freedom. I was watching it. A video last night, and I, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard this story. I heard it, but I didn't know how true it was because you know how sometimes you hear stuff on the internet. You're like, oh, okay, all right. But actually, I saw the whole video of the couple. I said, wow, that is a heavy story, and it happened up in Oregon. I'm sure uh, uh, Pastor Brian heard about it, about that couple, right? Who was, uh, uh, I think, the name of their bakery was Sweet Cakes. Uh, have you heard? How many have heard this story? You heard about that? Well, wow, a lot of you haven't. Well, there's a story up there in, in uh, Oregon. I can't remember the city. You could look it up for yourself, but the story of this couple, they started their own small business and they did their own bakery, and a couple came to them and said, hey, we want you to bake a cake for us. They said, sure. I said, well, well, who's the, you know, it's a wedding cake. All right, who's the, who's the bride and who's the groom? They said, no, we have two brides. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, we don't bake cakes for, uh, you know, lesbian couples. couple went away, came back two weeks later. The, uh, uh, the state shut them down. Find them $150,000 for not uh, uh, baking a cake for this homosexual couple. Then it became a big ordeal. This was in 2013. I just saw the video last night. 2013. And they were, show, they were showing the couple the oppression and all this. I mean, making them feel bad. I mean, just horrible. Now, the crazy thing about it is that you, when you read the story and you see the story, this, uh, this bakery has cooked for them and baked for them for years, for years. They're, they know who they are. They know who they are. But somehow, some way, a lawyer got involved and said, oh, no, this can't happen, and said, we're going to hit them where it hurts. And they said, oh, it's a religious thing. Oh, they're religious. And they shut them down. All of a sudden, the, you, you see the husband, everything that they have, they, he makes less than half of what they were making in the bakery. Uh, I mean, their whole family is going under. They're going to lose their house. I mean, it was just crazy. And they're a nice couple. They're a very nice couple. And they just said on their own faith, they just felt not to do that. But all of a sudden, 
boom, they get fined. Boom, they get shut down. And he has even said, I was watching the video, he said, man, I felt shame. I felt shame, like, man, w- w- what should I do here? I, 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 maybe I should. And you could see it in them, like, man, all these questions, like, what do I do? And, and what about this? And, well, maybe I should try this. And, well, maybe I should do that. And what happens is guilt starts making you question yourself. Well, should, should I go to church? I mean, no, no, I can't go. Well, I mean, on Sundays, you know, I, well, I know it's only one day, but, but you know, I, I, should, I could be doing something else. Well, well you know what? And, and so you start questioning yourself, and that's what guilt will do. But I want you to know something, my friend. Christ died for that guilt. Christ died for that shame. And all you have to do is give up that guilt and say, God, I don't want to hold on to this any longer, but I want to be free in you. I want to make sure that everything of who I am has been given over to, to you. See, my friend, I want you to know something right now is that you and I do not have to be ashamed. You and I do not have to be guilty. We have been able to give it to God. Mary Elizabeth said, guilt soon learns to lie. Guilt soon learns to lie. Now, I said, man, well, how does that even apply? If you read the life of Peter, Peter, when he was guilty, it changed really quick. Now, you have to remember, Peter just went from a miracle water walker to all of a sudden a guilty denial liar. You remember that? He went quickly. He had just walked on water. Now all of a sudden, no, I don't know that guy. I don't know him. See, you could be feeling great one day, but then all of a sudden guilt takes over. No, no, I don't go to that church. I don't go to church. I'm not, I'm not, well, I, I mean, I go, but I'm not a Christian. I'm not like that kind. They're like crazy Christians. I'm not like that kind of crazy Christian. I'm just like a person who kind of, goes to church kind of sometimes I don't know do we go I don't know do you go we go sometimes and the guilt you start questioning you stop professing and you start questioning now I I don't know how many of you have young children but I have a, a, a son I have four children and one of my sons I can always tell when he's lying I could just tell. And the other day I came in and I asked a question. I said, who did this? Uh, right away, I, you know, I, 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 what I do, I have a pattern. I go from the oldest to the youngest, right? And I go, first, Stevie, did you do this? I go, no. And, you know, he's got that look. I could just kind of tell, like, okay, all right. Lulu, did you do this? And right away, Lulu's like, she cannot tell a lie, right? I, I cannot tell a lie. No, and she starts crying. Like, no, I'm not making you feel guilty. Like, please. But you asked me. I'm like, oh, I know. It's just a question. Elijah, did you do this? Elijah, did you do this? Now, this is the crazy part. As I was talking to him, I began to find out. And it came out. He did it, but he didn't mean to. He didn't mean to. But the guilt puts you in a position to where you're like, I don't want to say anything. And then when you don't want to say anything, you become a liar. And you start making up stuff. You start making up things that are not even true. Now, you didn't even want to go there, but guilt will do that to you. 
See, so what you and I must understand is that in order to be free, you got to let go of the guilt. The moment my son let go of it and he said, yeah, I did it. I said, okay. And then we started talking about it. We started going through the process, started understanding. I said, man, he didn't really mean to do it. And then I said, listen, son, it's okay. I forgive you. See, you and I cannot really fully understand true forgiveness if we don't have true confession. You gotta have true confession and saying, listen, Lord, I am a sinner. I am messed up. Without you, I am nothing. I need you. Father, take away this guilt. Take away this shame. And the moment he takes it away, he says, here, here's my grace. Here's my righteousness. Here's my love. Here's my peace. Here's my joy. You can have it all. It's yours. That's what I died for. Free from guilt and free from shame. The second thing that he died for is that he died for you to be free from your past. Free from your past. Somebody should shout amen on that one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. If you got it, turn there. Verse 16 and 17 says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Some of you just need to study that scripture just right there. Just study that. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You know what that word old is translated in the Greek to? It's translated to ancient. You know what that means? It's not relevant. It's not relevant anymore. The old stuff, your old past, it's not relevant anymore. Stop acting like it's relevant. Stop acting like it's who you are now. No, no, my friend, you do not have to always look at everybody and wonder, what do they want from me? You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to look at that girl anymore and say, oh, man, she's talking about me. She's gossiping about me. No, you don't have to think like that anymore. That's the old you. That's the old way of thinking. Now, especially in Victory Hours, we have this thing called the hustler mentality. Listen, you're not a hustler anymore. Stop trying to get over on everybody. Stop trying to show what watch out. There ain't nobody going to get me, but I'm going to get them. Listen, that's the old you. It's not relevant anymore. Matter of fact, it goes to the first point of what I've just made. If you read that scripture, listen, if you suffer for doing good, let them be ashamed. Let them be ashamed. It's okay. Oh, they got me. Oh, well. Listen, I've gotten got so many times, I don't even care anymore. Like, that's all right. Big deal. So you, you think you got me? You didn't really get me. You just locked yourself up in a cage. You locked up your way of thinking. You locked up your way of being. Because me, I'm a new creation. Old things are gone. I'm a new man. I'm a new person. You know, you know what the, the new creation has to do with? New creation is a doctor term. It's a birthing term. So when it says you're a new creation, that means you have new hands. It means you have new eyes. You have new ears. You have new feet. You have a whole, you are a, you have a whole new body. You have a whole new mind. So when it says you are a new creation, the old is gone, you don't have to think like that anymore. 
You don't have to do that anymore with your hands. You are a new person. You are a new man. You are a new woman. Listen, I don't know who I'm talking to here this morning, but somebody needs to realize you are a new person. You're not the old man anymore. You're not the old woman anymore. All those things, they are gone. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. It is a birthing term. You have a new birth. You have a new father. Some of you here this morning, you got to realize you don't have that old father. you got a new father. You don't have to look at your old father the way that you are trying to look at him now. Listen, my friend, that's the old way of thinking. You've got a new dad. You've got a new one to come to. You've got a new person to talk to. You're a new creation. Old things are gone. Tell your neighbor it's gone. The third thing and the last thing, and I close with this, is that he died for you to be free from your sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 20. Romans 6, verse 20 says, When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. That's a heavy scripture right there. It just flipped everything around. Verse 21 says, What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? I, I like that scripture. Just, I mean, I, I could dive into and I, I could spend a whole 10 minutes just on that. But think about that. If, if the things that you look at from your past you're not ashamed of yet, then that means you're still captive to it. That's what it means. If you're, if you're not ashamed of those old things, oh, that was me. Check me out. Yeah, that's right. Look how big and bad I was. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you're not ashamed of that yet, then you still have held captive to that, that way of thinking. Look how cool I was. Look at all the drugs I did. Look at, all, look at all the money I had. Look at all the things I accomplished back then. That means you're still captive to that. That's a heavy scripture, but I'll keep reading. Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whew, that's a great scripture right there. The word sin just translates to missing the mark. You are free from the failure, from failure to Christ of missing the mark. The mark. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short, my friend. And you and, you and I, listen, you and I must understand something. You and I will always be the Gary Coleman to his righteousness. If you don't know who that is, Google it. Amen. What are you talking about, Willis? You're always going to fall short, no matter what. No matter how hard you try. You could come to church. You can live in this church. Pray 24 seven and still fall short no matter what it isn't until you realize that Christ's death was to free you from the captivity of sin I said a quote earlier it says it is easy to take the liberty for granted when you have never had it taken from you there's a scripture in the Bible in Luke chapter 7 verse 47 you can call it the 747 if you will says, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. But for those who have been forgiven much, and you know where the scripture is coming from? It's coming from a woman who was a prostitute. Read it for yourself. And Jesus is telling his disciples, he says, see, because you guys, you only forgive a little bit because you, or excuse me, you only love a little bit because you think you've only been forgiven a little bit. 
But if you're going to love a lot, see, that's how you know how much you've been forgiven is how much love you give. If you only love a little bit, because you only think you only needed a little bit of forgiveness. I, I mean, I was bad, but I wasn't that bad. Read the, read the life of Martin Luther. He lived in a, and he lived in a church, prayed three to four to five hours a day. And yet his prayer was always, oh, wretched man that I am. And he lived in a church. He lived there. Oh, wretched man that I am. See, it isn't until you and I realize that without Christ, we're wretched sinners. I know you may be a good person, but don't allow your good person status make a good moral standard. You're going to fall short. I know you may think that you are living that American dream, but my friend, I don't want to be obedient to an American dream. I want to be obedient to the heavenly dream, to the heavenly vision. You and I must understand here this morning that without Christ, there's no freedom. We talk about Independence Day and freedom in Christ. Freedom and freedom and, and all this stuff and freedom. Last night we had fireworks to celebrate the freedom. But do you know something? That you and I can have fireworks every day if we're Christians. Every day we get to celebrate the freedom. Now I close with this. The Bible says in Acts chapter 24 that in order for us to really continue on in this freedom, I like what Paul says. He says you must exercise your freedom. Exercise. I find it so ironic that, uh, that Paul would write, exercising this thing like we've heard it said before exercise your right you got to exercise your right to to do this exercise your right well Paul says exercise the other day we had a softball tournament and uh, we were there we had a bunch of churches we were having a great great time powerful time and the first game we had we were out there now if you know anything about old men who are 18 year old in mind but not 18 year old in body you know that we get so excited and amped up, and then the day comes and things change. Now you're probably saying, well, what do you mean? Well, I'm 36 years old, okay? And in my mind, I'm still 16, 17. Now, what, what's really not good for me is that I'm actually kind of close to the same height and same weight that I was in high school. So it makes me think, that's what I think. So I remember we're going out there early in the morning. We get out there, 8 o'clock in the morning. We're over here. I, I believe it was, I uh, can't remember the name of the park. It's across the street from the police station uh, right over there in the back in that area. And we're there about 8 o'clock in the morning. Everybody's, you know, excited, and we're exercising. I'm stretching. Everyone's stretching. You know, got guys. You know, we're on my age, and, you know, we, 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 we play ball about as often as, you know, uh, not that often, okay, not that often. <laughs> and, but in our minds, we're excited. We're ready to go. And so I remember we're out there, and we're going, and we're playing, and now we got the first game going, and we're like, okay, everything's good. Now, even professionals are not dumb. Professional baseball players play one game a day. That's professional. But us, we're not professional. We're better than professional. 
<laughs> so we play our game. We played a great first game. It's cool. It's awesome. The second game comes around. The second game in the very first inning with the very first batter, I'm playing left center. My friend's playing left field. All of a sudden, the guy hits it to left field, and my friend all of a sudden just comes up with, ooh, ooh. Like, ah, what happened? Now, we're only about two months different in, in age. We're right at the same age. And he's like, oh, I, I can't do it. He literally let the ball roll right by him and just kept on walking. <laughs> and I'm over there, dude, get the ball. Like, <laughs> so in my mind, I'm like, this guy, come on, man. So all of a sudden, we have to make some adjustments. Okay, okay, you go over here. We're doing this. The game's progressing. The game's going on. Third inning, there's a, we have our shortstop. He's up there, and he's ready. The ball gets hit, and he goes, oh, oh. I'm like, get the ball. He's like, ah. Oh. Like, what is going on here? Fourth inning's coming around. Fourth inning comes. I'm now playing left field. I'm in left field because my left fielder left. He, went, he literally went home. He didn't even go to the dugout. He went home. So we're there. There's, mind you, there's four teams, so there's about at least 50, 60 guys all around here. I mean, it's a big picnic. It's a big park. It's a big party. It's a big tournament. We're having, you know, I mean, it's a righteous tournament here. And we're there, and finally, it's about the fourth, third or fourth inning, and we're there. And I remember, I'll never forget, the guy hits it. I'm playing left field. The guy hits it, and I run over there, and then boom, I go, oh, oh, oh. What was that? I grabbed the ball. I remember I picked it up, and I just turned. I just flung it. I don't even know who I threw it to. I just, ah! What is that? And I remember they turned around. They looked at me. They're like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm not like the rest of them. They're quitters. <laughs> On the outside, I'm like, yeah. On the inside, I'm like, oh, God. I feel like Elijah right now. I was hurting. I really was. I played the rest of the games like that. We played three more games. I played the rest of the games. I said, man, what is that? What is going on? I was hurting so bad. The games were over. I wasn't the only one who was like that. There was quite a few of us. I seen guys walking off the field. Hey, high five. <laughs> we played four games. Professionals only play one. I go to the hospital. I'm in the hospital. He brings me a brace. Puts the brace on. So I'm talking to the doctor. I'm talking to the doctor. So he asked him, how'd you do this? I said, well, I was playing softball. And he just looked at me like, ah, I've seen you guys all the time. <sighs> you guys. You know what he told me? He goes, he asked me a question. He goes, do you play baseball a lot? I go, well, and he goes like this. He goes, you used to, huh? I go, yeah. He goes, the reason why your knee popped and your ligament messed up is because you don't exercise daily. You don't do this all the time. See, you and I must understand that we must exercise our freedom and if we don't exercise what God has given us you're going to lose it it's going to pop 
It's going to mess up. That's what Paul was saying when he says, you must exercise your freedom in Christ because if you don't exercise it, the moment you get this, you know what? I feel like going to church now. Something is going to pop. Oh, I've never done that before. I've never lifted my hands like that. I've never, oh, I've never given like that before. See, there's no freedom that is constantly there. You must constantly exercise. Keep it up. Keep the faith. Exercise your faith. The Bible says to stir up the gift. Stir up that faith. So I want to challenge you, Church of the Cross. I want to challenge you, Victory Outreach. Just don't let this be a Sunday morning thing where you just fellowship with the brothers. You know what? Today I feel like going to church. No, my friend. Every day you are the church. Every day you are the temple of the living God. And every day you get to have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of you. Every day. Exercise it every day. Because if not, what can happen is we say, hey, brother, come pray for them. Uh, prayer, uh, uh bow your heads, uh, Father, pray for the food. Like, no, we're not praying for food. Please listen. And I say this, I, I know I say it humorously, but at the same time I say it seriously. Please don't let the only time you pray is when food is in front of you. Please don't let that be the only time. Because uh, you're not, you're missing the exercise. If that's the only time you exercise your faith, or, or let me say it like this. He can come to the piano. Or let me say it like this. Please don't let the only time you exercise be in an emergency where all of a sudden, oh, my, my family, something happened. We need prayer. I know. Let me call my trainer. That's what we do. Let me call the pastor. But if you've been exercising, you say, no, 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 I'll pray. I can pray. We'll call the pastor, but I can pray too. Listen, don't think for a second pastors are more holy than you are. We're not, I've, I fall short just like you do. I fall short in the same way, in the same fashion that you do. But I do my best, like Paul says, to buffet my body spiritually. I get this thing prepared and ready in and out of season. That's what we get ready for. Listen to me. If we are going to change the climate and the culture of this city, it's not going to take some lazy, out-of-shape Christians. It's not. There, listen, there are sinners exercising their sin right now. That's what they're doing right now. And if they don't come face-to-face -face with another person who's exercising their faith, they're going to overwhelm you. They're going to make sin look good to you going to look good to you and like I shared earlier if you have not if you don't understand the captivity of righteousness and unrighteousness what happens going to, you're going to look you're going to look in that season of unrighteousness and say man it was a whole lot better when we were over there like the children of Israel man it was a whole lot better when we had the garlics and, and the melons and, and man it was uh, we had it a whole lot way better back when we were in slavery that was better really my friend, you got to exercise. Exercise this freedom. Listen, we're here celebrating the 4th of July with independence and fireworks. I want to challenge you as Christians that you would get those fireworks every day, spiritually speaking. Get those fireworks. Take them to your job and lay it out on your, 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 your computer desktop. Lay it out right there and say, right now, 
I'm going to exercise some fireworks, and I'm going to read my Bible. Read that thing. And the, look, I know that some of you are in the worst of the worst of the worst places to have a job. Your bosses cuss up a storm. Your coworkers probably just got back from the Navy because they cuss like a sailor. Some of you have family members that they, they, don't even, they don't even know what water tastes like. All they do is drink booze. And that's all you smell on them. And so you have that. And so you're thinking, man, God, touch them. God's trying to say, okay, I want to touch them, but first I need to touch you. And if I can touch you and exercise with you, then we can go over there and be a witness to them. Be a witness to that man. Be a witness to that woman. Be a witness to that coworker. Be a witness to your boss. Exercise your faith, my friend. Listen, we are here celebrating Independence Day, but you and I, we have independence every day. And I want to challenge you. Take that independence. Take that freedom in Christ. Take that freedom from sin. Take that freedom from shame. Take that freedom and say, you know what, God? I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to celebrate it at my job. I'm going to celebrate it at the grocery store. I'm going to celebrate it on the street corner. God, I'm going to celebrate it in church and outside of church. God, I'm going to celebrate it in my life group. God, I'm going to celebrate it in my Bible study. God, I'm going to celebrate it anywhere you take me in this world. I'm ready to celebrate my freedom. You and I have a freedom in Christ, and we are able to celebrate that. Can I hear an amen? Come on, can I hear an amen? Clap with me here this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me here. We're going to close in a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you can bow your heads with me, bow your heads and close your eyes. I, I just feel this in my spirit that uh, I want to make an altar call. I want to make an altar call for those of us and those of you that say, you know what, I, I need to, maybe I need to exercise my freedom a little bit more. I haven't been doing that. I haven't been professing that much because you know why I haven't confessed maybe some of you you just need to come up here and confess you need to confess your sins unto God let it go of that guilt and let it go of that shame listen I know before you weren't the greatest of fathers but now you're going to be a great father I know before you weren't the greatest of wives or the greatest of spouse or the greatest husband but you're going to be a great one now I know that before you weren't the greatest son or the or the greatest daughter but you can confess it and say listen God I'm going to give this over to you I'm not going to hold on to this guilt I'm not going to hold on to this shame. I'm going to let it go. And if that's you here this morning, I want you to come to this altar right now. I want to pray with you. I want to believe God with you. And knowing that, listen, we are free and we have a freedom in Christ.